You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Oh my goodness. Uh, good morning to everybody on Zoom. Uh, good morning to the people on the patio. Also, there's a patio here. So if you don't have a seat and you would like a seat or this is a little too close for comfort, we've got a patio right here. I can see the chairs and I see six open chairs currently. There may be more. Um, if you do have space, you may want to scoot, scoot in so there's more space for more people. Um, but hello, good morning. I'm Tiger and uh, my pronouns are they, them. And I am a uh, VP here of, of the, on the board of the elders developer kind of thing. And I'm so happy that you're here at City Church. A radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And uh, kids, I think kids is next. So I'm gonna pray for our kids because we love our kids and then we're gonna send them out to the bounce houses. So pray with me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that was funny, but okay. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for kids. Thank you that we all come in as kids and we are all that crazy kid on the plane and then we try to grow up and um, please give the parents and the aunts and the uncles and the teachers uh, patience for the kids and pray for the kids here at uh, Lafayette and I'm always going to pray for the queer kids and the queer parents and um, and for for the kids inside us and I just pray that you will give us all your grace and help us to give ourselves grace and help us to give one another grace and uh, bless this sweet celebration today in Jesus name. Amen. Um, Brenna, buddy. Thanks, Tiger. And kids, you heard that invitation to go play on the bounce houses. So go have fun. Be kind, all that good stuff. <laughs> there is some wild enthusiasm in the room. I love it. Woo! And all of a sudden, like a million seats have been opened up too, right? Wow, it's good. Hey, if somehow I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. And I'm Bill White. I am the other co-pastor here at City Church of Long Beach, and I'm really glad you're here. I appreciate your courage in showing up at this strange place today. Welcome, too, to all of our friends on Zoom. Um, it is just so fun. And for those of you who perhaps we don't see you on Zoom or in person as frequently, but you came out especially because you wanted to help us celebrate that this little church has somehow made it to the 10-year mark. Wow. Thank you. Today's going to feel a little bit different. Uh, we're not going to preach a message to you per se, because we actually think just sharing stories is actually a pretty holy thing. In fact, we do that a lot around City Church uh, in general. We love having people come up and share what, what God's been doing in their lives, how they've been, been experiencing Jesus. And so we're going to have a chance to do that again this morning. Uh, 
actually going through the story of City Church. City Church itself has a story. And I know some of us have been around the whole time, some of us maybe, you know, a couple of months. And for those of us who've been around a long time, man, there's, there's something really good about remembering and just taking that, that time to reflect. And for those of us who are newer, to kind of hear like, oh, that's how we got here. That's how this all worked out. Um, so we're just, we're really excited to take that time today. We do have our friend Andy is gonna come up in just a moment to read scripture for us this morning. And generally speaking, we like to stand, but don't, don't stand yet. Because this morning, we're gonna stand up for the reading of scripture in a particular way, just to start getting to know each other a little bit. That's gonna be part of this morning and this celebration is a chance to get to know each other. So in person, I'm gonna invite you to stand uh, in just a minute on zoom I want you to use your raise hand feature okay so when when you're saying like yep this is me on zoom just go ahead and use your raise hand feature um, to say yes i'm i'm standing up virtually. Uh, so if you have been at city church from the very beginning, whether you're family friend to city church if you've been here from the very beginning, would you stand up. We'd love to see you. Yeah, here's some of our folks who've been here from the beginning, family and friends of City Church. Oh, man. All right. If you've been here at City Church since, oh, no, stay standing, stay standing. We're all gonna be standing by the end. If you've been here, uh, you came about eight, six to eight years ago, go ahead and stand up. That's when I would be standing, six to eight years ago. Yeah. Family and friends. Not, not a lot added. Not a lot. Okay, so that wasn't that wasn't time. If you came to City Church three to five years ago, pre-COVID, would you stand up? All right, yeah. A few more, more. A few more people, and we don't know what's happening on Zoom, but Zoom, I hope That's you're playing true. along. All right, and if you have come to City Church uh, in the one to three year zone, stand up. Wow. Yeah, All now right. we're adding more. So good, we're glad you're with us. And if you've become in the last year, would you please stand up and join us? Friends and family of City Church, all here. That's, that was our literally our biggest number <laughs> right there. I mean, some just came for today, which is fine. We are glad you're all here. Will you remain standing in honor of the reading of God's word as our friend Andy comes up and reads scripture for us? Thanks, Andy. Welcome, Welcome Andy. Andy. Thank you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I'd like to invite up my friend, Jason Brown. <laughs> Oh, look at that guy. You're looking a little moist up in there, though. Yeah. Now, a lot of these, most of these people don't even know who you are. Yeah, so tell us, who, who are you and why are you here? And yeah, hey, I, this is, uh, boy, it's a great day. Um, I am here uh, because... Uh, Bill and I together, we started this church 10 years ago. So that's, that's why I'm here. And where are you now? Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up in a little tiny town in Iowa. Uh, 
So, you know, when I tell people like, oh yeah, it's a pastor in the kind of center of Long Beach where we went back to Iowa. So that's where <laughs> I live now. Um, right. Anyway. Which is a great place to be. Yeah, it's a good place to be. It's a good place. Yeah, it was uh, Jan uh, July 1st, 2016. Yeah. I remember those tears. Yeah. <laughs> My, mine, not yours. <laughs> you, you were, I was the one left crying. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit, you know, the, the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Yeah. Like this is part of what we do. We tell our stories and all kinds of stories get to come out. But tell us a little bit of those early days. What, where did you meet Jesus? Where did you meet Jesus? And where did you see Jesus being met here in this little community? Um, so I was thinking, Bill, there's stuff that happens in your life, which is surprising, but it may be kind of expected. You, you think certain things are going to happen in your life and they happen. And maybe the people they happen with are surprising, but there's been a few events in my life, which uh, have been utterly unexpected. Um, certainly one of those events was starting this church. I mean, it wasn't on the radar. I, <laughs> it was truly unexpected. Um, and I, I want to go back to one of the other truly unexpected events in my life. I was 19 years old. I was in college. Uh, I said, uh, I was going to college in Iowa. That's where I grew up. Have any of you been to like the upper Midwest in, win in winters? We've got another Iowa guy. Yes, yeah. So the upper Midwest in winters is very dark. It is very cold. There's no sunlight. You're inside all the time. I'm 19 years old. And it's January 1992, and I'm in my dorm room, and I'm a 19-year-old boy. I'm sitting there all by myself in my dorm room with this little light on, and I'm crying. Uh, I, I don't think 19-year-old kids do that a lot, but I was doing it. And why I was doing it is because for the first time, I was reading some of the stories of the life of Jesus. And this particular story that I was reading, uh, some of you may be familiar with it, uh, a woman who shouldn't be in this crowd weaves her way through this crowd. She touches uh, Jesus' cloak. She gets healed. Um, and, uh, and, and then Jesus sort of hands her the mic after that and says, hey, you need to tell these people your story. And, and then Jesus uh, says, he doesn't put the focus on himself. He puts the focus back on this woman and says, uh, woman, your daughter, your faith has healed you. And for whatever reason, I don't think I could have at the time understood why this was so emotional to me. But now I'm 51, or very close to it, and I've reflected on this. And I think why I was crying is because I don't think that that moment, Bill, would have happened if Jesus were not there. Does that make sense? It wouldn't have happened. And I'm not sure a moment like that had ever happened in the course of human history. And Jesus made it possible, not just for healing, that's the obvious one we, you know, if you spend any time with Jesus, you think, okay, he's a healer. I think more importantly, community is what he brought her into, back into. And then finally, I think the most surprising part is, again, I think he sort of hands her the mic. And to this crowd that would have never thought that she had anything interesting to say, would not have been interested in her life story at all. He hands her the mic and says, you talk to them about you. 
And Jesus puts the spotlight on her. And so that was your story. You felt Jesus. That was me in that moment. Like yeah. even this is dark, gray, cold, quiet, smelly, stinky boys dormitory. And I felt like the, the light of God was coming into that room. And so here's what I've had the chance to reflect on is it's the presence of Jesus that that makes that sort of thing possible. And and so that's what this is. He's not around anymore, at least physically. His spirit is. And where his spirit is, he makes possible this community of people who can come in, who can get healing. I'm still getting healing. And who can find community with surprising, surprising people. And who can be that presence and open doors. And, and when Bill and I started this, um, we did not know this was going to happen. We were not thinking about you. <laughs> you, you look a lot, yeah, no, it was not you. Right? We didn't know this was going to happen. Um, but I think one of the things that united Bill and I from the start was just this sense that uh, one of the things Jesus and the Spirit wanted to do was create the broadest community possible and somehow let's hold these people together and keep them going on this journey to following Jesus. That's, I think, what we knew. That's it. So, you want to tell us a story from those early years with something that encapsulates something for you? And then we're going to. Well, I said, so one of the things, Bill, is you asked me to think about what was a particular story. Yeah. But I would say, this thing every week was one of my favorite, yeah. favorite things. Yeah. Um, because you would do individual things with with people and you do small group things. But then every single week and any group that Bill is a part of, <laughs> any group that Bill is a part of is always going to have new people showing up. <laughs> you follow me? Like literally. <laughs> and they're going to be an interesting conglomerate of people that show up <laughs> if he's leading that group. And so what I looked forward to is seeing the people that I knew and loved or was growing to know and love, but every single week, you know, and I think our privilege, you know, kind of at the start, it's, it's, it's God's thing, it's Jesus' things, it's the other people's things, but you and I, we were always at the front door. Yeah. And it was kind of like this was our, our house. Yeah. You got to welcome people and in. And we just got to welcome people in. So I, I there's, this, there's a story I want to share. And it's, it just is so awesome to show up and see that it's still happening. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And thanks for, uh, thanks for being back with us, man. You yeah. and Emily, we're so glad you guys are here. Um, you honor us. So thank God for Jason Brown. Yeah. There you go. And Larry Duff, you want to come up? And we'll talk about the uh, those that next series of years. <laughs> Welcome, Larry Duff. Right. So, Bill, Bill, my vanilla brother from another mother. How you doing today? <laughs> oh man, Larry Duff. Larry Duff. Oh my word. So, yes. What's up, Bill? Um, so. All right, so just a bit of orientation. So Jason Brown left in 2016. Mm -hmm. 
um, and Jason and Emily and the family. And we were in this process of it. We had this LGBT inclusion study team. We were just a standard evangelical church. And we realized like there are a lot of LGBT people mm -hmm. in this community, in my family, and we probably need to talk about this. So we started this study team and then Jason just left. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing. So, so we brought in Larry Dove, the local expert. Uh, no, I wasn't an expert. I was a student. <laughs> student. Yeah, I right. was a student. Go ahead. Bill. But so anyway, so that's where that was in 2016 and 2017. So tell us a little bit, like how long, where, where are you now? How, how long have you been a part of City Church or connected? Just tell us a little bit about you. I don't know. Okay, well, say something significant. <laughs> significant. Basically, um, I'm saying I've run out of words. It's your uh, turn. Of course, you know, Bill, Jason, and myself, Chris Connell, we came from Emmanuel Church, mm -hmm. and so forth. So that's where we actually developed deep, close relationships, not only in ministry but also personally. Uh, when uh, City Church started here, I think I was here for on your inaugural mm -hmm. opening you for were that. There. I was here, and I think one of the things that and I'll go back to the cohort, but one yeah. of the things that I really appreciate about you, Bill, is that you don't just simply, you and Brenda don't simply pastor a church, you pastor a community. That's what you do so well. And if you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, he just didn't stay in one spot in a synagogue. You know, his place was just all over the place. And he, and that's how he was able to be effectively to effectively pastor uh, uh, people and disciples and so forth. So I appreciate you, and I know this community appreciates you pastoring this place called Wrigley so well. Thank you. So going back very quickly, um, going back to you know, human sexuality, you started that cohort. And so I was just looking and I was searching. Uh, I had grown up with a homophobic bias, okay, from my, from growing up. And so I, I, and that didn't come to service until I actually joined the group. And then I began to see and understand, okay, so with this homophobic bias, I actually brought that bias to the scriptures. Right, right. And I actually started interpreting scriptures through that bias. And so I had to kind of step back for a minute. And one of the things that really helped me was to uh, hear the stories of others. There's an African saying that, until the lion tells the story, the hunter will always be glorified. Mm -hmm. And so when I start hearing stories from the LGBTQIA community and so forth, that really began mm -hmm. to kind of, the homophobic bias began to kind of drop. And I began to see people as just being people, not with a label, not to approach them with a label, not to interface them as a label, but just simply being made in God's image and in God's likeness. Oh, now. So All right. that, <clears throat> those are good years. And it, we, uh -huh. go ahead. So Larry met with our team for a long time, over a year. Yeah, it was over a year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, gave us a lot of good insight along. And I learned a lot also. So, yeah. yeah. And that, and that has influenced my theology, my um, philosophical thing about uh, LGBT inclusion. And it's also became to me, it became an issue of justice. Being an African-American, yeah. I have a high sensitivity of justice. And so the yeah. exclusion part just didn't sit well with me. Yeah. So Amen. you've turned me upside down. I, I, I didn't do anything. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to learn, man. Okay. So, so you were there and that was also the season. So the 2016, 2017, mm -hmm. um, I finally got my dream. I had I'd grown up always wanting to be the man. 
Uh, and finally, be, I got rid of the riffraff. Be careful what you ask for. And I was solo pastor and uh, for one year. And I was truly awful. I mean, I was such a bad solo pastor. I didn't lead well. I didn't hire well. I didn't, I mean, I hired Cody Miller. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, I, I, just, I really, and I didn't supervise people well. I really, um, I really made a disaster of, of City Church. And we grew, we were worshiping at maybe 165 people a week. And one year later, we were worshiping at, at 55 people a week. So a bad pastor will take you in half. I did better than that. <laughs> I'm just saying. So Larry Dove was there. So I called up Larry Dove at the end of this year. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that, yeah. Do you remember what? You probably don't even you remember what you said. Me, we were doing some text messaging and so <laughs> forth, but yes. And I, I truly understand what it means to be a solo pastor. You know, when I left Emmanuel uh, to Pastor Park Hills, I was the solo pastor. What's that song? One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know. And so, yes. I, and you were, well, you weren't crying and boohooing, but I, but, but I could hear the angst. I could hear the angst in, in, in your conversation and so forth. And I think you were suggesting that maybe you should take a sabbatical. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you need to, you know, separate yourself. And so you can see things a little bit more clearly. And so... Uh, and when you came off that sabbatical, you were a new you. I mean, I think the church has been blessed since that, that time. And um, yeah. yeah, I call Larry Dove. I mean, he's kind of sugarcoating it, which is nice. <laughs> but basically, he said, you need an emergency sabbatical. You're losing it. And uh, I was. And I took an emergency sabbatical and tried to figure out whether I was even going to do ministry ever again, because I was, I, I really, I'd wounded people, uh, which has never been what I wanted to do, but I did it. Um, and I, all my weaknesses were very much on display. And so I appreciate you, Larry, for being a mentor yeah, to me personally you. and to our church throughout the years. So my pleasure, you. Bill. And let's do this again in another 10 years. All right. <laughs> we will. We will. So thank you, Larry Dove. Brenda Rubio. <laughs> so I wasn't the only burned out pastor around City Church. Um, we let in uh, some other burned out pastors. Uh, At any given time, we usually have 15 to 20 yeah. around. There are more here now today. Some of you know who you are. Yeah, we, we know. So there are a lot of burned out pastors. And so this, Brenda was a, she's a big person, but she was a bigger person then because you were. I was pregnant with twins. He's not being totally rude. <laughs> a little rude, but not totally. <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> yeah, so I I came into City Church about two years into the process, uh, a little bit before the study team started, uh, and I was just kind of healing up. I like telling people I came in like most of you. I'm just kind of tired and sad and wondering what was going on with this Jesus thing and this church thing. And um, I was supposed to be, you know, a pastor, becoming one. How is that all going to work out? So when Jason and Bill approached me and asked me if I would help lead the study team, it was my first big yes. It's like, yes, this is the community that I wanna be part of and I wanna help build because I had been part of so many churches where it felt like we weren't allowed to have conversations like that. Like there are just certain things that you were just supposed to like not ask questions about. You were just supposed to like believe what people told you and don't look too hard. 
you know, and, and if, if some people seem to be getting hurt, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I joined the study team and then I joined the staff team as Bill became solo pastor. Uh, and that was an interesting year. It was, um, but, but we did make it through it. And then, uh, yeah, eventually it was kind of like, well, here we were, here we were and what's next? <laughs> co-pastoring again. Well, I wasn't I mean, co-pastoring initially. That's true. Right. I was, I was just the, the staff person who was around and, you know, starting to go like, Hey, Bill, maybe we could take what we've been doing a little different, right? We could do just, just a little bit differently. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Brenda Rubio, she came in and she like, she's like, you know, there's probably a different way to do leadership. I'm like, tell me anything. <laughs> like what? And she just, she's super clear mind. She's an excellent leader. And she brought clarity for us. It was a, it was a gift. It was just a gift that you gave us. And we are so grateful. Well, so. Thanks, Bill. But you know, so I knew he was, he always is like, Brennan leads towards clarity and structure and process. And I mean, I know that's, that's true. Like that's how I'm oriented. But when I was thinking, you know, for this morning, like, how do I remember that season of having made it through something really difficult? And now we just have this little group of people, you know, 50 or 60, and everybody's kind of wondering, like, are we going to make it as a church this day, making it to 10 years was in no way guaranteed. Um, the word that comes up to mind for me is freedom. Like that we had made it through this really difficult set of conversations. Uh, these conversations that, you know, Christians, Jesus follower, followers all over the place just get really angry and heated about. And so that this group of people had made it through and said, no, we want to stay together. And we think, we just think God's love is big enough for all of us. And we can actually have conversations and we can ask questions and, and God is big enough for our questions, right? God is big enough for all the things that make us who we are. And, and we can do this and we can ask these. There's so much freedom in that because it became not just about LGBTQ inclusion, even though that's huge. That's huge. And I know that's a big reason many of you are here today, but it's, by having opened ourselves up to say, we can, we can ask that question. We can have those conversations with each other. We also said, man, God can lead us into other conversations like about anti-racism, right? About justice. We can, we can go into all of these places because all of a sudden we look at Jesus in a different way that those sort of lenses that Larry was talking about that we start to realize, oh, we put this on Jesus all of a sudden those have fallen away we start to really oh no like he really meant this and he really touched people this way and look look what a radical jesus really was we've tamed him so much right but man he's a radical and we can follow this jesus so i was remembering some of our you know sort of for us we're like hey we're little we're small like we can do we can do what we want i mean really how much worse could it get right <laughs> high praise for bill's leadership let's have fun so for instance one sunday we just decided we were like you know if we tell people that we want to have a big conversation about anti-racism it might freak some of them out um, so we're just not going to tell them 
And when everybody came in, we sort of shifted it up. So on stage, instead of it being a stage, we just had small groups set up and a few down here on the floor. Uh, and our friend Christy Hines, we might have a picture of her, was going to do an anti-racism training for us as a church. And that was how we worshipped that morning. Because who said we can't, right? And it was amazing. It was, I mean, people were a little like, wait, hold on. We don't get Bill was to, at like, the back, you know, reassuring some people it's going to be okay. Basically locking okay. the door behind them, you know, when they came in. Um, I remember, like, I was talking with one of our leaders. They're like, oh, my God. I didn't, I mean, they, they didn't quite put it this way, but they basically said, I didn't know I was white. Like, like that's a race. You know, like this whole idea of There's like, no, you. a culture that goes yeah, around it. Yeah, you have a racial identity. You have a cultural identity, an ethnic identity, and that, that actually has an influence on the people around you. And we were like, oh my God, <laughs> like this is new. And it was like a lot of learning. It was, it was amazing. Like we were actually just getting to learn together, you know, Bill and I, along with everybody else. Um, and then there was a season where we, at least once a month, it seemed like we just took a break from Lafayette. We went on a field trip. That's what we called it. They were our field trip Sundays. So, you know, one, I think that was when we instituted our annual beach day. So we may have a picture of that. I think this was one of our first beach days. So we went and had church at the beach. There were other days that we had like tacos in the park. We thought it was just gonna be a fun thing for us. And like everybody brought friends. So we had this incredible gathering in the park. We did service days. It was really this kind of like, we can just do what we want. Like there's actually no one right way to do church and to love Jesus and to follow him. Really conveniently, I think, as we were realizing that, you know, with some communication so people you know, knew where to find us and stuff, um, just that we, we weren't so tied to a building. We had been through this incredible season of, you know, being here sometimes. Um, well, then COVID hit, right? And I remember I was rushing around because I had children who I'd pick up from school because suddenly they were going to be with me, you know, for, you know, 12 forever. weeks. Forever. Yeah, forever as it turned out, right? But whatever they were telling us back then. So I'm like rushing around and I get this text from our friend Kate, who helps arrange our reservations here saying, ah, you know, we don't have a building. We don't have a building. And I had no time. I couldn't think about it. So all I texted back was, fear not. Like I, <laughs> that's actually something I would say. Oh my I'm gosh, like, I had clearly, an influence on you. I've been to too many nativity plays, you know, over the years, <laughs> right? I'm channeling my. But that was just what came out. Just like, fear not, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna be fine, and and we just were because of this amazing community who knew that church was so much more than the building. Right? Church was so much more than the building. And our friend Joe, who's tucked back here, who, you know, contacted, contacted us within hours to say like, he's basically a professional Zoom hoster. And yeah, oh, Bill's going over to give him a hug or something. He's doing something here. Oh, he's peeling back the curtain. But it was just this incredible incredible just how god was really leading us to kind of embrace just being a small but healthy church that just didn't have to live in fear we could live in freedom you know and i mean the strange thing is so our our the leadership team of the church said you know hey our, we, we started a new board during covid which is crazy and they said like 
let, let's not just sit back and survive COVID. Let's thrive. Let's like go for it. What, you know, what is, what can we do? How can we partner? And so we started this crazy food thing with, uh, with the neighbors. In fact, I think uh, Matthew and Mario are here somewhere. They're hiding, They're but here, we've got a picture of their garage. Do, you, do we have a picture of the food, uh, Joe? Um, yeah. So that's Matthew and Mario's garage and they're just neighbors. They're just, they're just humans and they're like, hey, we want to help the community. And so people started donating food. We gave away, we had $50,000 in cash donated for food. We had twice that amount given. And it all went through their little garage and we got to partner with neighbors. And then we, then crazy people called up and said, hey, we love what you're doing in the neighborhood. Could we buy a house and use it for some of the families that are experiencing homelessness? in COVID. And so then we bought a house. Um, I mean, who does that? Like, we don't even have a building. And then do we have a picture of the house? I think we do. Um, so here's that's our leaders putting together the beds in the house. So we have three fam, three families live here. It's super close to, to church. Um, I mean, it's just amazing. Like that happened during COVID. And then we're, I'm working with Andrew Nishimoto, who's the director of, the, of a nonprofit that was helping us with the house. And he's like, we need better employment for the folks who live in the house. And we're literally standing across the street from this boarded up building. And he's like, what if we started a coffee shop there? And I was like, let's do it. And so Wrigley Coffee, um, so we, that was, that's the old place. And we started, Wrigley, I mean, it's just amazing, right? And. Like that all happened during COVID. That was and, just crazy. Yeah, and then do you remember the the board meeting where we're talking about the budget and we're looking and, you know. Not, not the biggest budget. Not the biggest budget, right? But reality is during COVID, so many churches are struggling. But again, part of being small and, you know, just, we weren't. It was amazing. Like the fact that we got to do all of those great things, right? And then even after doing all of those great things, we're kind of looking at, you know, the money that we have in the bank and our current budget. So I'm just going like, we have too much money. Like this is, people are so generous. We have too much money and there's so much happening in the world and so many good things happening to, to meet the bad things and let's redistribute it. And the fact that we had this leadership board that immediately jumped on, that we decided that even though already into our annual budget, we build, 10% giving. So 10% 10, 10 of whatever is given to us, we want to give out to other partnerships to, to build this beloved community, you know, that God is building among us. They said, okay, well, let's look at our nest egg, this money that we have in the bank, and why don't we redistribute 10% of that as well? And so this group, this congregation gave us ideas. We said, hey, we want it to be organizations that fit with our values and that are either LGBTQ or BIPOC-led. And those organizations tell us who they are, and then we were able to give out almost twenty thousand um, dollars just to so fun partner. So fun. So yeah, it was great. It was actually weirdly great season. So I think now we turn it over to our yeah yeah. So I mean, I just wanted some of just like got to cool things, right? Yeah, Fifty-five people to this little congregation that could still just. Still love its community. Yeah, love the neighborhood. So yeah. 
so yeah, I think Bill is going to step down uh, because we want to invite uh, one of the other great things that Bill mentioned that happened during COVID uh, was that we sort of grew up as a church. We had um, we moved from being a church plant to being a church who had our own very official and actually incredibly healthy, wonderful, strong board. Uh, and so this is not, uh, we're going to have a picture up here, not a picture of our first board, uh, but a picture of our second board that was installed. There's, you know, some overlap um, just, uh, just last summer. And our friend Rebecca, sorry, our friend Rebecca Martinek Williams is going to come on up. And then, so Rebecca is one of our board members. Thank you for dealing with the stairs for us. And then we're also going to have our friend Lisa Carpenter uh, on Zoom. Uh, Lisa is one of our Zoom. And if I say elders, I'm really supposed to say developers. We call our elders developers and our deacons connectors, but I'm still making the shift. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hi, everyone. Okay, so you guys are helping us move into more of a future orientation. But before we get there, tell us just a little bit, maybe we'll start, we'll start with Lisa, just how you came to City Church and what your role is on the board. Yeah, so um, like Brenna mentioned, I um, am a developer on the board, which um, in older times we would call an elder. Um, I currently live in Sao Paulo, Brazil with my husband and three kids. Um, and yeah, uh, we kind of are representing the Zoom congregation as you <laughs> see here on the screen. Yay! And uh, I'm Rebecca Martinek Williams, and I'm also a developer on our on our board. Been on the board for a couple of years, and Brenna asked me to share, so I said yes. <laughs> Rebecca uh, is also uh, she's been our secretary on the board, right? I think that's the official the official term. She keeps us very she she knows all the the rules and helps keep us a little bit more organized than we would be otherwise. Yeah. When Brenna asked me to be on the board, I'm like, do you know who I am? Like, do you want to do a background check? I mean, I'm a lawyer, so that should counsel me out automatically. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes a lawyer. Uh, but I was also like, you know, I'm like, I want to be really authentic at church. So like, um, I yell at my kids and um, I don't get it right in my marriage all the time. And like, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Are you sure you want me? <laughs> and we were like, yes, sounds pretty normal. <laughs> oh. Well, I would love to hear from both of you, just how have you experienced Jesus in this community, um, quirky as we are? Lisa, we'll start with you again. Okay, sounds good. So, oh man, I, I loved listening to the recap that was just given. Um, we came in to City Church before COVID, about a couple years before COVID, and like many others, we came in pretty wounded, a little jaded and definitely skeptical. Um, we were looking for a space that was accepting and that was loving and that where we could bring our loved ones who were in the LGBTQ community. And we just, we couldn't find it. There wasn't any churches um, like City Church, but lo and behold, um, we did find City Church. And it has been a breath of fresh air. Uh, Bill and Brenna and the culture of City Church has definitely just given a chance 
um, given us a chance to unravel our faith. They've given us permission um, and what a beautiful journey it has been. Uh, one story that I wanted to tell was when we came into City Church, Brenna had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and um, I was kind of asking her all my checklist questions. One was, okay, well, I want to get my son into the nursery at the time. And, you know, what, what do I need to do? Do I need to volunteer? Because in my mind, um, I had some pretty harmful assumptions. And I thought that it was an obligatory, um, an obligation that especially mothers were to volunteer in the nursery. Uh, but Brenna in her, in her patience and her love um, kind of corrected me and said, wait, does, does it give you joy, Lisa? Is this something that, um, that you really want to do? Is this something that will bring you joy? And it wasn't, but. Um, <laughs> Actually what she said is, I hate it. <laughs> Yes, actually. <laughs> um, but she really, she saw me in that moment and she gave me permission to say, no, it, it doesn't give me joy. Like I have other strengths um, and other ways that I would want to serve. And so, um, yeah, in that aha moment that I had, I really realized that City Church, um, it it gives us the freedom, you know, to have faith and joy over obligation, over duty, um, but that we could really f find Jesus, that he sees us and wants us to live into our strengths and into our joy. So I thank City Church so much for that. Oh. That's so beautiful. I'm so glad we didn't get the duty bound version of you. <laughs> Yeah, the delight-oriented version is pretty awesome. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a little background about where I came from because it's pertinent to how I got to City Church. But um, I'm the daughter of a evangelical minister, and my parents and my grandparents were both missionaries. And at a very young age and into my teens and into my early 20s, I always thought I was going to serve God, and I really felt called to that. Uh, there was just one problem, and uh, the problem is that I'm gay. And so I remember when I met my wife, I was in tears because I was like, do I choose this happiness and I don't get Jesus anymore? And it was a really painful season. And so mm -hmm. I had to deconstruct that faith. And then I got to a place in my journey where I was like, no, I get to have Jesus too. Like, it's okay. And we would try churches, but a lot of those churches, they just weren't really Jesus centric, right? It was kind of like an anything goes and, and no judgment. Um, we received such healing in some of those churches to be able to sit in pews with people that were my grandparents age that hugged me and loved me and said I was still okay and still welcome. But there was just really something missing. Um, and then we would go to kind of more evangelical churches thinking we wanted to be closer to Jesus and it would always be a deal breaker like they wanted us to change our lives and I wasn't about to leave my wife and our two kids so it was kind of <laughs> um, and so I kind of a deal breaker right yeah. Like when the missionaries come to our house i'm like this is my wife and my two kids do you want us to break this all apart and they're like mm, kind of um and so it's kind of a deal breaker um but uh so i randomly like googled churches i was trying to find something i'm like there's got to be something that's more of a fit and i remember i i found city church and my wife was like 
you go by yourself. I'm not doing this. Like, I remember your scouting Sunday. Yeah. So she's like, you go in and tell me if it's safe because I'm not doing this. And so I, I went in and I was like, it seems okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a kind of a, a racy message that day as Bill always delivers. And, uh, you know, so we eventually, you know, my family came here and, I just have to say this, like I grew up in a space where like in order to be with Jesus, you had to fake that you were perfect. You know, you had to get up on Sunday and pretend that all this chaos wasn't happening in the background of your family. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to do the messy Jesus, like, because my house is a crap storm on most days, you know, and I don't always make good decisions. And I, you mess up my relationships. And I, I do all that stuff because I'm human and I wanna have that human experience with Jesus. And so I think like the Kairos moment for me was when we were doing this last series and Mary Magdalene and I, I was like, I identify with her more than, more than most people in the Bible. And yet she still got to be with Jesus. And so I've kind of looked at my relationship with Jesus and it's kind of like my relationship with my wife. Like when I make mistakes, I don't get kicked out of the house. You know, we, we, we figure out how to reach for one another again and be in good community and in love, you know? And so for me, that's what City Church embodies is that I'm gonna screw up and Jesus doesn't kick me out of his house. He invites me back in to experience love and connection again and we keep going, so. I just feel like you like preach the message. This Pastor morning. Rebecca. Right? Pastor Rebecca. It. Wow. <laughs> no, thank you. Jesus does not kick us out of the house. And I actually have had a couple of interactions already this morning that tell me that I know there are people this morning you needed to hear that. You needed to hear that. So thank you. Whew. Okay. We're all breathing up here. Tell us your dreams for City Church, your, your faith-driven dreams. And Lisa, we'll let Rebecca take a breath so you can you lead us forward. Yeah, well, that was so beautiful, um, Rebecca. And uh, I just love that City Church provides this unconditional love to everyone that walks through its doors. So my dream and hope is that we continue to do so. I know we're, we're like the little, little train that could um, <laughs> as a body of believers, but man, do we have wide open doors. And so I just want to continue um, opening our doors to everyone. And especially in, in our neighborhood where we are physically, that uh, we continue to have this big presence. I love all the things that we highlighted today. And I would love to keep doing more. Another thing that Brenna had highlighted was um, with our giving team and giving away so much money. I mean, how incredible is that? How counter is that in our world today that we were able to give away so much money at a time where everyone was kind of hunkering down? We're so blessed as a church um, and I wanna see us centering BIPOC folks and our LGBTQ loved ones more and more um, as we think about tangible ways uh, to invite others into our, our doors. Thank you, Lisa. Love that. 
You know, I was thinking about this, Brenda, when you gave me this question. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing. So we are a community of people that are inviting in people that have been hurt and wounded, myself included. And that comes with a lot of messiness. Yes. Comes with triggering, comes with past experiences that we have to get over and all of that. And so as I look into the future for City Church, I want to be a community where we can be messy with one another and go again. Mm -hmm. We're going to make mistakes. The board's going to make mistakes. You and Bill make mistakes. People in the congregation are going to make mistakes. And it's like, I know when we've been hurt sometimes, the immediate thing to do is kind of go into flight mode and leave. Mm -hmm. um, I want to create a space and I want to be part of a space where we get to go again with one another and work through that hurt and stay committed to being a community of people that understands that like we're all moving towards Jesus together. We're going to get hurt and we're going to go again and we're going to live in forgiveness and grace with each other. Amen. Woo. Thank you guys so much. Um, we have an incredible board, Lisa, Rebecca, representing just an incredible, an incredibly healthy, diverse group that we are so grateful for. So thank you. Um, friends, as we close this time of storytelling, it's, it's actually more an intermission because all of you have stories. Uh, one of the things that we've set up uh, is that we do have a CUDA board set up. It's part of your digital handout. There's a link there. You can find it on social media as well. But we would love for you to share your stories that way, to contribute them. You have to go and read some of the ones that have already been, been shared there. It's just incredible, and more tears will be shed. But we would love to hear your story. We're also going to ask you to share your stories together as we eat lunch in just a little bit, because this is actually holy. This is one of the ways that we connect with God, connect with this Jesus who loves us in the midst of all our mess and all of our, our beauty and helps us form community. <laughs>